0: and welcome to binocle books weekly for the week of december 12th 2022 last last week i was i was really i was really tired i was like dead tired trying to do this and get this off so i, I just listened i could tell like listening back to the edit when i was editing it it was just like oh my god that's just sound like so just blah <laughs> i was just like okay no we gotta bring the energy bring the energy we got we gotta bring the we gotta bring it so yeah, that's me bringing the energy. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so yeah, before I get before I get started and before I kick everything off, just uh, remember to check out the pod on pretty much every streaming platform that's out there, and also stop by Monocle Tube on YouTube to uh, like and subscribe the uh, videos on the channel. You know, I do the reviews on the podcast, but I also record the video versions of them. So yeah, just stop by there, uh, like, subscribe, try to you know support the channel a little bit, get some numbers up. And uh, uh, lastly, uh, to keep up to date on all things Maniacal Books and his parent company, Max Books Publishing, go to uh, mcsbooks.com and also uh, just go to Maniacal Books on uh, all the socials, basically, for whatever news for the website or news for the podcast, news for like upcoming uh, book releases and things like that. You'll stay up to date on all of that good stuff. So, alright, with all that out the way, this week I have uh, the reviews I'll be going through this week is the dystopian sci-fi novel Dawn by Octavia Butler. But first, let's take a trip over to the box office results for the weekend of December 9th through the 11th, 2022, and just taking a quick glance at it, honestly, it looks lot of the same, pretty much. There hasn't been any other releases, I believe. Uh, well, there's there's like a new opera thing that premiered, but like nothing really all that grand. So yeah, nothing, nothing new, nothing shocking here. Uh, you know, number one, again, of course, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, holding five weeks at number one. Like five, I didn't know it was out five weeks yet. <laughs> like that's... That's crazy, but yeah, 5 weeks holding strong at number 1 with 11.2 million it it brought in this weekend, this past weekend. And that is like 409 million total total gross. And I wonder this is probably just the US numbers too. So I'm yeah, I'm actually interested to see what it's doing what is doing worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's four hundred and nine million domestically just here in the U.S., but worldwide seven hundred and sixty seven point eight million. So this thing is on a a rocket ship to one billion. (laughs) Like it is. Wow. This is one of the highest grossing movies. Oh, it actually is like the sixth highest grossing movie of twenty twenty two what was the first what wait what else came don't tell me it was top gun because that would be that would be crazy but yeah that's that's insane number two is violent night the really kind of crazy really kind of off looking uh christmas movie that's basically santa meets die hard it looks like starring uh dennis dennis harbour david starring david harbour I'm sorry from uh, stranger things and it looks really good actually I actually kind of really want to see this I can't wait to see this but um yeah so it uh number two it raked in 8.7 million this weekend uh giving it about 26 million all altogether uh, domestically and strange worlds the uh the Disney the animated Disney release, is a uh, number three at 3.7 million and it uh, brought home a whole total of a uh, 30 million so far domestically everything's pretty much holding steady uh from from last week too uh the menu once again number four uh 2.7 million uh 29 million collectively devotion two million 17 million uh collectively number six is black Adam which actually climbed the spot <laughs> it looks like uh from last week from uh, number seven and it went right back up to number six at a 1.3 million. That's at 166 million uh collectively. Now that it'd be what is that globally? Yeah, worldwide is at 388 million. So yeah, it's no, it's it's kicking ass pretty, pretty well. So I'm I've had mixed reviews about it. It looks it does look like a really fun movie, so I can't wait for that to hit the streamings. Actually, this one I'm I'm gonna pick up on Blu-ray too. Uh so yeah, I can't wait to Actually, get a chance to see that. So, uh, taking its place at number seven this week is the Fablemans at 1.1 million, and that's uh, 7.3 million collectively. That's a Steven Spielberg flick. I believe it's kind of like semi-autobiographical view of his life, his childhood, or whatever. Know, it, look, it looks pretty Oscar baity. Looks kind of boring, but I don't know. I, t- I might. I'll check it out. Just to see what, see what Steven Spielberg's upbringing was like. That that sounds a little interesting. The only new entry on the list here at number eight: the Met Opera, *The Hours*. Never heard of it. I'm guessing it's a play. That's on screen, but it's coming at number eight at seven hundred ninety-one thousand. Yeah, and uh, number nine is *I Heard the Bells*, and that brought in seven hundred fifty this weekend. That again. That's the uh, the story about the story of the Christmas Carol. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know who wants to see that, but apparently people do because it's uh, it's in the top ten of the uh, box office and it's made uh, like uh, just a hair over four million collectively so far. So hey, it's and it's two weeks. It's been weeks now. So hey, somebody wants to see it. And <laughs> number ten is spoiler alert. That brought in six hundred and seventy nine thousand, and that's that movie. I saw, I saw ads about this about a week, starting like a week or so ago. That's a story about a, a gay couple that's starring uh, Jim Parsons, who uh, famously played in uh, what's oh my god, what's the name name of that show? Um, uh, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, so the story of Michael Os Osiello. And Kit Cohen's relationship that takes a tragic turn when Cohen is diagnosed with terminal cancer, and it looks like it's it looks like the story is revolving around the holidays. So yes, yeah, nice little, uh, nice little drama, I guess you know, for people who are into that kind of things in the holidays. I don't really want like hard, depressing drama like that around Christmas time, but hey, everybody's up to their own thing, right? <laughs> So yeah, that is the the uh top ten top ten box office movies for this week. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the same the only new entry I have is like that that Met Opera thing, but yeah, because that uh Christmas time not too many things come up, but I know I'm I am very interested to see how because the avatar is coming out uh this Friday. And so I am very interested to see. If that's going to knock off black Panther, finally, from the number one spot, I have a sneaking suspicion it might, though. but we'll see. And uh, yeah, can't wait to check that out. All right. Now let's pop over to the, uh, the top book sales for the week. So the top book sales for the week, top book sales for the week's ending in December 9th, as listed here on the New York times bestseller list. I have pulled up in front of me is uh we'll we'll do the hardcover fiction. Uh, and it, it goes to the top five. So uh then the number one is uh The Choice by Nora Roberts. It's uh the third book in the Dragon Heart Legacy series. Uh Breen Saoban Kelly Siobin Shaoban? Sobin? Whatever that guy uh confronts darkness during her first Christmas in both talam and ireland oh, okay it sounds like um the outsider with dragons <laughs> actually uh oh yeah that sounds okay i might look that up uh number two is a fairy tale by stephen king which is a high school kid inherits a shed that is a portal to another world and where good and evil are at war so yes I, this is on my list <laughs> it is it is on my short list and I will probably be reviewing this maybe in about a month or so. I got I got a couple of other books lined up that I'm going to be reviewing. And, yeah, it's, it's on there, though. It's on my list. So, yeah, look out for that one. Number three, The Boys from Biloxi by John Grisham. And this is two childhood friends follow in their father's footstep, which puts them on opposite sides of the law. So it's John Grisham. It's going to be like some law thriller or something like that. You, you know what he does. Uh, it should be a major motion picture by the end of the year or so. Maybe 2024. I wouldn't doubt it. So, yeah, that's that's it sounds interesting. I'll, I'll check that out. Uh, number four is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. This is a scientist and single mother living in California in the 1960s, become a star on a TV cooking show. Riveting. <laughs> um, but it's it's uh, 29 weeks on the uh, bestsellers list, so who knows? It, it probably is very good. I don't know. It's not my cup of tea, but I, don't know. I keep an eye out for it, I guess. And number five on the hardcover fiction, to round that out, is a Christmas Memory by Richard Paul Evans. This is in 1967. The joy of the holiday season seems out of reach to a boy whose brother died in the Vietnam War, and father lost his job. Also, oh, again, what, people love hard times and hard dramas <laughs> in in the Christmas time. I, I guess the juxtaposition of like the season of joy mixed with like hard time drama is it's it's a riveting material. I guess, but i yeah I'm, I'm not looking for that this time of year uh give me like a month or two before i'm just i'm you know depressed and looking for like other people who are like depressed or worse off as me you know. and then then i'll probably be in the mood for for these like you know hard times type of things but yeah that is the that rounds out the hardcover fiction for the week ending in december 9th 2022 i have yet yeah, fairy tale i am definitely going to be reviewing in a bit here i, I it's on the list I, I gotta get to it though but it is definitely going to get reviewed and I, the, the choice by noah roberts noah roberts has been writing like forever and so yeah I'd like check this out i'm i'm always looking for like new fantasies to get into so that might be pretty good and New York Times says it's the number one seller for for that week. So there we go. And stay tuned for the reviews coming up in just a few moments. Uh, As always, at this point, I'll just run through a quick ad and I will see you in about 30 seconds. Travel with me to a dark and isolated farm located deep in the heart of St. Mary's County, Maryland, where the only African-American farmer and his family are being tormented by some thing stalking around their property. Can they survive? Can they protect the farm that is their very livelihood? And can they do it with their sanity intact? Are you in the mood for dark, isolated rural horror? Are books full of ghastly green goo and reanimated corpses your jam? Then check out Mulch, The Eerie Inaugural Novella from Maniacal Books, available today on Amazon Kindle and mcsbooks.com. All right, so that was that, and now let's get on to the review portion of the show. And remember, you can... See the video version of these reviews by going on YouTube and searching for Maniacal Tube, and you know you're there when you see this haggard, tired-looking jabroni barking at you. And uh, please remember to uh, like and subscribe to uh, support the channel. Let's kick it over to Don by Octavia Butler. Dawn by Octavia Butler was published in 1987 by Grand Central Publishing. This is the first book in the Xenogenesis trilogy. It pretty much takes place with a main character named Lily Iapo, uh, who suddenly just wakes up on an alien ship with kind of no memory of how she got there or what, what has happened the last several months, last several years, really. Uh, all, all she can remember is uh, like a war, like a, a big war that happened right before she kind of like went out or, or blacked out. And uh, so she wakes up and finds uh, a race of bizarre and weird and terrifying looking aliens called the Oanchali. Uh She's pretty much the only human she sees for like years for, I, I believe they said like, what, 10 years or something, something close to that. She was kind of like by herself. Uh, with the Kali. Yeah, so the Kali tell her that there was a great war and that her species was almost completely wiped out. And they have, I don't know, gathered uh, a bunch of humans together and, you know, tried to recreate their homeworld on their ship because uh, they have some kind of weird fascination with the human beings now. And almost it's almost seemed like they're like a, a zoo is from what I'm reading into this. I mean, zoo might be too harsh a word, but more like um, like some kind of weird experiment or something that they're, you know, doing with uh, humans because they're able to this uh, in the book, the one Kali are saying that they're able to replicate humans by using DNA but uh, they don't like to do that because it's not like the, the true thing or something, and they, they really want to kind of like get into like the genetics of human beings, making other human beings spliced with Owen Collie DNA, you know, and it, it kind of gets really weird and uh, invasive kind of from there. Uh, then So eventually uh, Lily is in charge with like opening up or waking up other humans. And Lily tells them flat out, like that's not gonna work ex- exactly. Cause uh, the, the Owen Kali has given Lily like some powers. So like she can kind of like control the ship and do some other stuff she's, like a lot stronger or whatever than like the, the average human. Um, and so she's she's kind of telling the Owen Kali this it's not gonna work. know human beings are going to like look at her as a as a weirdling or alien herself you know and like so the oncology doesn't really know that much about human behavior you know they 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 know the like how how to work the dna and all that but they don't they don't know that much about like human behavior and so you know lily is kind of like their branch in between kind of and she's she's trying to talk to uh like the oncology and let let him and let him know that this, it's, it's a bad idea, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, she can't, she doesn't for sure know if she is on a ship or on Earth. Some some of the times, because they have like this area in the ship that like replicates like a a jungle or rainforest from Earth. And she and a she doesn't even know if Earth still exists. So a lot of this she is taking their word for it, you know what I mean? And so yeah, one thing leads to another. It all as Lily predicts, it all falls apart. <laughs> you know, people start dying, people start rebelling, and you know they, they kind of find out okay that it might be true. there might not be BS in us. This might be an alien ship that we're on. Uh you know Earth may or may not be in existence still but the on are saying that It is, but you know, they need to make sure that the humans can like survive and self sustain before they take them back to Earth. Oh, but again, before that, we want to uh find ways to interbreed with with your species as well. So, yeah, that that is uh kind of the first book in a nutshell. What I like about it, uh, Octavia Butler's writing basically, um, she is the she is before uh nk Jemison was doing kind of fantasy like uh you know the a black author kind of excelling in fantasy uh octavia butler was there uh, first she kind of laid the ground work first uh, she was like kind of like the lead voice in uh like black or african-american like fantasy or sci-fi literature i think mostly she wrote sci-fi i don't think she did any like fantasy like high fantasy or anything like that i haven't come across it yet so i think it's pretty much just sci-fi from her and yeah it is a it's it's pretty much a masterfully written uh sci-fi dystopian uh bleak cynical tale (laughs) you know that um i i can get with i can get my head around that because i i'm my my mode most times is kind of like bleak and dystopian especially if i watch like the news (laughs) but yeah it it really has this kind of like this really grim tone about it this grim air about it uh that it it sustains throughout the whole novel like it starts off really bleak with lily waking up and not knowing where she is and she's on coming to find out she's on the ship and then there's these bizarre looking owen Kali, these alien creatures that it takes a while for her to kind of get used to and and the and I love how she writes, like these are like true aliens. I think that's why there hasn't been a movie adaptation of this yet. Hopefully they're working on it. I know uh, Hulu is streaming uh, Kindred uh, now. So I can't wait to, I'm, I'm definitely gonna watch that and review that. But the, I, this, this will be a challenging adaptation, I think, mainly because of the Owen oh, Colley she writes these as like very alien this is like i mean dare i say beyond hp lovecraft like writing of aliens it's it's she kind of captures that that writing where like you're trying to imagine it as you're uh no reading it or listening to it in my case i've uh, listened to this on audible but um yeah and it it kind of makes your brain work against you because you're like trying to imagine like the weirdest the worst looking thing you can possibly like imagine and then you uh, say like okay no 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 stop stop don't don't do that (laughs) yeah it's very bleak it's very dystopian but at the the center of the story is basically like a critique on humanity like the the nature of humanity like i said um she was tasked with like waking up other human beings so they can kind of like learn to like work together, live together and survive in like a ring type of scenario. So that when the own Kali, because they promise once they kind of like see that they can sustain themselves, they, they will drop them down on earth, you know, so they can like, you know, rebuild as, as a species, like build up the human race again but um you know uh lilith is basically saying that's yeah it's, it sounds good <laughs> it sounds good on paper right and sure enough it turns out to be true uh you know uh, things kind of fall apart uh I, I won't go into specifics i try not to do like spoiler kind of things in this especially I, I i really want people to read this like this this is an excellent uh sci-fi book and yeah, it critiques humanity. And most specifically, it's a critique of men as well. You know, I, I definitely felt that tone, um reading this because, again, she she's supposed to be like the leader of this, this uh, group of people. And it's they they own colleague completely leaves it up to her like who she wants to wake up, you know, who, who they leave the whole plan, like up to her basically. And she she woke up all the women well not all but like mo, ma, mainly women first and like try to get them on the main page because she she had in her mind that like men only lead to violence and men will like mess up the whole thing and without spoiling it she was kind of right <laughs> but yeah but i can't and and the and the whole time i'm sitting there like i can't I want to argue against your points, Ms. Butler, but you ain't wrong. (laughs) Uh, yeah. The um, the other thing I really like about this very alien aliens, I think I said that already, but yeah, it's, it stands out. It very much stands out. These are like very bizarre looking aliens in this story. Um, They have like tentacles, like a body full of tentacles and uh, like they have this main tentacle arm or something like that that grows out of like beneath their armpits or whatever and i i for one can appreciate that as you know someone who might have written about aliens with tentacles and uh, green goo uh found in mulch the first thrilling novella from maniacal books uh, available in amazon books a million barnes and noble and uh, mcsbooks.com but I digress. (laughs) Again, they're hard to look at. They got tentacles and they are they these are some these some freaky aliens. Like these some nasty aliens. They they kinky like that. Like they they get down like that. They they like, oh, we ready. We ready to intermingle with y'all. Like we we just been waiting for y'all to catch up. (laughs) I'm saying like, oh, we've been ready. Um and with the the ending to this too. Uh, we found out that they may or may not have kickstarted <laughs> that that whole uh interspecies intermingling situation they got there and i like i can't wait to read uh the second uh, story in this in, in the uh, the xenogenesis saga but i i'm i'm a bit apprehensive just cuz i don't know what a human on kali thing would even look like i I'm, I'm a little apprehensive on that but i can't wait to get into it oh uh, what i don't like about this i cannot I say there's not that much i don't like about it um the only thing i could think of is <clears throat> it takes a it takes a little while to get into it i can't knock it that much because it's like she she did a really good job of kind of setting up setting up what's happening what's going on Um, And Lilith as a character, you know, and it's masterfully done. It works with the kind of like the isolation because you're you're in the only thing you have to go on that we can relate to on a human level is Lilith because everybody else is is aliens there. And like she writes them as they look alien, they act alien, they sound alien. These, These are not of planet Earth, right? These are completely different alien beings. And so when you finally do meet another human being with Lilith, basically, like you're in there with Lilith, and it it goes left, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, you know, again, that's when I said that critique with men. So like the first time she sees a human, it's uh, with another man, and again, and I, the Owen Collie come off as they want to put up this kind of like altruistic front, but they they I can they they ain't right. They they're a little devious too. And I kept the first inkling of that is when they put uh, Lilith and uh, that other guy together for the first time, just to see. It's almost like, oh, well, let's let's just hang back and just see what's going to happen, right? We just gonna see (laughs) what come out of it, and it didn't. It did not go well. (laughs) So, yeah, no, um, this is this is an amazing book. I don't know what took me so long to read Octavia Butler. I hadn't heard about her until I don't know. I want to say like a decade or so ago. But um yeah, still it took me a little while to, to kind of get around to her. And I'm happy I did. Uh yeah, I'm in I'm in the Xenogenesis series right now. Um I'm gonna check out Kindred. I hear that's really good. I can't wait to finish uh this series so that I can then start a parable of the sour. I, I believe that's what it's called. Hold on, let me make sure I get that right. Yeah so I'm I am on my deep dive with uh Octavia Butler right now and she she passed away in 06, <clears throat> which really sucked because I, I I wish she was still still around now that I'm actually like getting into her and like starting to read her. But yeah, this, the first one I'm into, excellent. Love love the book. Um, It's, it's from beginning to end, like a very compelling read and it, it gets you into it. Um, yeah, this is a five out of five for me. I can't wait to read the other two, even though, man, Owen Kali, human hybrid thing Uh, I'm not looking forward to seeing that thing Woman King is a historical action drama that came out this year. It's starring Viola Davis, uh, Thuso Mbedu, Lasana Lynch, and John Boyega. So yeah, I, if you listen, if you actually listen to the pod at all, you know I've talked about this movie uh, quite a bit. Um, it It was in the it was in the box office top ten for a long, like since it came out. I think it came out in September sixteenth. And it stayed on there pretty much up until Black Panther kind of came out. It was still in the in the top 10, which I was really thrilled about. That uh it's a movie with a lot of controversy surrounding it. Uh unfortunately, some of it I I can understand, some of it's just too bizarre for for reason, honestly. But yeah, let's get into it. So, uh what what is it about? Uh so the the homie kingdom decided uh they don't want to Trade slaves anymore, <laughs> you know they rather uh do palm oil and whatnot, and and stop trading human beings for uh, monetary gains. So, so I mean, get up on them, right? <laughs> um But uh, they they are in league with the Oyo Empire and with uh, European slavers, and so when they say they don't want to like do slave be in the slave trade anymore. Uh, it kind of causes conflicts with both of those two parties, and so this uh, leads to the the Homie uh, Amazons, who's an army of uh, women warriors for the kingdom, uh, into uh, a big battle with the Oyo Empire, and they also kind of raid of the, uh, raid the uh, the the township there, and yeah, uh, against the orders of King Gizo, played by. John Boyega, and nothing really leads from that, but you know, they, you know, it's the conflict, uh, escalates, then de escalates, and you know, the movie ends. And there we go. Oh, and also, there's a totally Disney esque plot with, um, you know, a mother finding her daughter again, and yeah, credits. <laughs> okay, um, what I like about it I, d- I do like a lot about it chief among them uh we get some we get some African or we get uh tales from Africa from like this this period mostly when it when it deals with uh slavery and this time period the 17 1800s when it comes to Africa it's just yeah we're slaves <laughs> the end that's it that's all you need to know but uh yeah it's 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 good to see like hollywood put out like a big budget movie talking about uh you know the the different tribes in africa and like the political climate in africa that led to slave trades and how uh you know the people there might have felt about the slave trade because i'm pretty sure there's a lot of uh you know the Dahomey amazons are pretty notorious when it comes to the slave trade because as the movie depicts they, they were uh, very pivotal in a lot of uh, slaves being brought over to you know Europe and America. However, it, and at some point they did, it is true that they did decide to stop participating in it. And <clears throat> that's what uh, some of the controversy in the movie came from. And that, that's what was really dumb because like the movie wasn't even out yet right like they hadn't even nobody even saw the story yet so and i'm thinking logically i'm thinking well i'm I'm sure they're gonna that's gonna be part of the movie right like just can you watch the damn movie first before you jump out the window you know but yeah it's and i've you know when it comes to movies that whenever hollywood puts based on a true story in a movie it's to take it for a grain of salt, it's like one of these things happened, and we're just going to build a move a whole movie around that one thing that that happened here. But but it, it is drawing from uh, true events. It is drawing from real people. in King Gezo, <laughs> I'm I, Danesca played by Viola Davis. I'm not sure. I'm I i do not know. I'm not sure. But um, King Gezo was uh, a real guy uh the the real king of the the homie kingdom and so that i loved about it like i really like that uh viola davis i mean what come on (laughs) you know a movie's going to be good if she's in it and i love that she she took on this role controversy aside i love that she took on this role and she knocked it out of the park because she is viola davis you know uh lashana lynch uh, too. She kind of stole the movie uh, in a lot of ways, especially that scene uh when they were going up against the, the guys and, and the spear was in her shoulder. It's, it's in the trailers. It's in all the trailers. Um She was good. Um, And I can't wait to see her in uh, the new Captain Marvel movie that's coming out this next year or 2024. I know they, uh, MCU released their whole roster of things they're putting out uh but and the Marvels the next captain Marvel movie was is uh in that schedule so I can't wait to kind of see see her next in that um and John boyega was was pimping in this he, he looked pimping he looked so pimping he was look clean up there man <laughs> like yeah go ahead John I see you boy <laughs> um, but yeah he was he was solid in this too man um yeah the the cast knocked it out the park they like I think they knew the story that they were doing. Uh, they kind of knew the assignment and, and they brought they brought it and yeah, that can' can't can't say anything more like yeah, they're very well acted. The script, however <laughs> uh, I guess that would transition into what I don't like about it. this the script was written by uh, two white women. And you can tell, <laughs> um, it's, this is a very kind of like Disney. This is like uh, if Walt Disney made a slavery movie. <laughs> you know, it's what, like this uh, again, there's this whole thing with um uh, the the I, I don't want I don't want to spoil it, but you know there's a character a lead character gave off a daughter. Um, she was being br- brutally like kind of raped and tortured and was carrying a child uh because of that and i guess she sent the child off for adoption and the child somehow came back and is now part of the uh the uh the amazons and it's like that why that's in the movie didn't need to be in the movie and i i rolled hard at <laughs> that it was just like why this, this, there's so much other stuff That we can address in this movie but i i don't know it's just it was very much uh written by two white women vibes uh and parts of this um but i I, at the same time they do show how the conditions for women were just extreme (laughs) it was extreme you either like uh conscripted into the into the, the homie amazons or you were like a slave wife to some jabroni out there, <laughs> you know, and yeah, it was just it was really yeah, it's, it's a really bizarre hard look. But that was life back then. And unfortunately, I'm pretty sure it's pretty close to life now somewhere on the planet, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I like this. I love this. Um, I'm going to buy the Blu-ray again once I can buy Blu-rays and actually like put them somewhere <laughs> in a house. I'm still in this little rat hole I call a home. But uh, yeah, I, I love it. I can't wait to see it again. Uh, this is, this, I give it a four out of five. Um, again, it's just the script to this. It's just like, why? <laughs> you know? it's, it's just, okay. Yeah, it's—it's, it's, but it's a Hollywood movie. It's a Hollywood movie produced by Hollywood. I'm just happy it exists. I'm really happy it exists. That might be just a minor nitpick on my part, but yep, The Woman King, four to five, must see. watcher is a seven episode thriller a streaming on netflix it is starring naomi watts and bobby cannavali and this show uh i was so i i first watched this show when i was uh quarantining from uh COVID. and that i think this is probably why I'm gonna be a lot more lenient on this show than I probably should be. Cause it was, a it, it it's a hell of a distraction. Like if you need like a good distraction, put this show on. Cause it's, it's, uh, it, okay, what, what is, what's The Watcher about? So this is a, another based on true events uh, tale about a family that buys Uh, they buy a really gorgeous huge manor of a house and it's a really sleepy kind of neighborhood and shortly after moving in they start getting these uh weird kind of threatening letters uh sent anonymously uh in their mailbox and suddenly kind of like everybody in that kind of quirky sleepy neighborhood town kind of becomes a suspect you know because they're new in town they don't know anybody and like the letters are get are pretty invasive and threatening and weird and you know they try to go to the sheriff with it but the sheriff could could care less honestly and um yeah so they they kind of that they, they hire yeah they hire some kid to like put an alarm system and cameras in their house the cameras don't catch anything a ferret dies neighbors die neighbors come back to life <laughs> um uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, a, the wife has this really kind of bitchy friend who is not really her friend but she wants the house too uh they piss off the sheriff they, there's a a private investigator who just starts casting blames and doubts just all over the place there's the the, the previous residents that lived in the house comes back and he's like a meth head basically. And he's uh, talking about how his kid was, uh the neighbors were like in a, some kind of blood cult and they, they tried to get the kid into the blood cult. It's, it's all over the place. Oh, and by the way, it ends in, I just made this shit all up. <laughs> and I normally, normally I try not to do any spoilery kind of stuff. I try to leave it like kind of vague. But this, I, I who cares with this show? God, this show is just this show is just a mess. Um, <laughs> so, oh, uh, what do I like about it? Um, it starts off pretty solid, and and the fact that it's based off of like a true event, like uh, a family actually did buy a house, like a, a really big kind of gorgeous house in the neighborhood somewhere. And they really did get letters, like these really weird and bizarre letters. I think like BuzzFeed did a thing on them. Uh, um, Mr. Ballin had a video on them as well. And so it's it's kind of a known story out there within the last few years. Uh, however, the like when they take creative liberties, everything else, every that's where it ends. <laughs> like that's that's kind of where like the true events and the show depart (laughs) like they vastly depart because the the family didn't move into the house a like once they got the letters they smartly uh did not move into the house and there was no ferret uh there was no private well they did hire a private uh investigator but like they didn't just make up a whole bunch of stuff they and there weren't there weren't no like quirky neighbors that died or whatever yeah, it was none of that. There was uh, there wasn't no guy in uh, a dumb waiter, you know. Uh, so yeah, this it's man, this show. <clears throat> One good thing in here that uh, yeah, Mia Farrow is in here. She plays a, a, a kind of a bit part as this kind of weird kooky neighbor, as well as uh, Terry Kenny, which um, I was shocked to see him in this. Like he's he's a man. He's a character actor that just doesn't get his due he kind of always is under the radar, but he's, I've been watching him since I was like a kid, man. And he's been in like so many good movies. He's always played these really solid parts and he was, he was fun in this, I guess he was fine in this. He didn't, he was playing kind of like a grown mentally challenged person. And so it was just, he was that basically. Um, Yeah. it's, It's, it starts off really bizarre and it starts off, kind of like it it, it it draws your attention like it's really attention grabbing at the start uh you know naomi watch and yeah naomi watch i'm a huge fan of hers um, i've been watching her for years as well um you know Mulholland drive to the ring uh and uh, she was in the uh twin peaks uh the like the the second series that uh, david lynch did uh, she was pretty good in that and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, I I really, I, she was, she was good in this too. She was, she was good in this. Bobby Cannavale was good in this, but nobody really had, they weren't really doing that much. You know, a lot of the drama that was provided is between them two really, Um, you know, Bobby Cannavale plays this kind of husband I sort of kind of identify with um, of wanting to move his family out of this, this uh, apartment in New York city and wants to, you know, get them uh, like a nice house, like to have, you know, have a nice in a nice neighborhood. Like I, I totally identify with that and he may have messed his credit up in the pursuit of doing that. I kind of identify with that. <laughs> and, you know, uh, again, they bring it to the sheriff played by Christopher McDonald, uh, who I've seen and, uh, numerous types of stuff too. He was, he was kind of like this really aloof kind of like nonchalant, uh, sheriff, in this sleepy town, nothing happens. So it's like, oh, weird letters. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll. T- nothing crazy like that happens in this town. So we'll we'll get it or whatever. Um, but yeah, that is, again, a ferret dies in this. Um, I said Richard Nice. <laughs> so some of the kooky neighbors uh, played by Richard Kind, who is a terrific kind of like, I see him in a bunch of comedies, like back in the 90s and stuff like that, right? like a bunch of like family movies or like family comedies and stuff. So it was really cool seeing him in this too. Um, But yeah, they like him and his wife, are these like really kind of nosy kooky neighbors. And when like the, the mystery was like really ramping up, like they died suddenly, although they were murdered certain suddenly only for like two episodes later to come back in town and say, Oh, that, that wasn't us. There were like two other couples that our son hired (laughs) or or lured to the house to murder for insurance money or something. And by, at at that point, I'm just sitting there like, okay, okay, this is just, (laughs) this is just garbage right now, all right? But okay, all right. It tries to go into like the, it's so bad, it's good territory, but (laughs) I guess it kind of goes there, but to me, it didn't go like, it didn't go crazy enough. It was just, it was just kind of like what? What, what are we doing? Why? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Yeah. So they they end up they they never move out actually <clears throat> until like later on in the series. Even after they find like this, this dungeon in the basement and like a catacomb or something, like they must have seen a barbarian or, or something when they were writing this, maybe. But yeah, it's, and they still didn't move. And you find a catacomb. In a house that you just bought yeah it's time to move out it's it's time to go like what there's no but i cares? there's no there's no logic there's no rhyme or reason for this and and it just spins more and more out of control there's like this writing group that writes love letters to houses or something in this and so they're like tracking down the guy who started that because he's the guy it's just like okay this is dumb and then uh the private investigator that they hired who is uh, also uh seemingly dying from cancer. And uh, you know, at the I think the last episode when she passes away, uh the daughter, they you know, go to the funeral and everything. And like the daughter tells her, Oh, you know what? She just made up this the whole uh ending of the case just to make you feel better. So we never found out who the 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 writer was of the letters, and he's just sitting there like, what? <laughs> what? So you just wasted my time. So you just wasted seven hours of my time, basically. Is what you're saying. So I can understand that people are, are like really pissed at this because it just leads to nothing, right? Uh, but it is, it's kind of fascinating to watch. At the same time, but yeah, this is this is just straight garbage. The Watcher, two out of five. <laughs> it only gets a two because it was kind of entertaining. And I was in quarantine, so I wouldn't, I couldn't really do anything anyway. So I uh, two out of five. Whatever, man. <laughs> And there we have it that is another week of the pod and if you made it this far hey i appreciate you i like sincerely and, and genuinely i seriously appreciate you from listening to me uh blab on this far uh, and remember to uh you know if you like what you hear just uh you know rate the show on whatever platform you're listening on that kind of helps with the numbers and the algorithms and stuff And uh, also stop by uh, mcsbooks.com to keep up to date on everything from Maniacal Books and its parent company, uh, Max Books Publishing. And uh, yeah, check us out on all the socials, uh, Maniacal Books on everything, Uh, IG, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Max Books Pubs, uh, same deal, Uh, IG, Facebook, Twitter. And don't forget to stop by YouTube and uh, like the channel subscribe to the channel and uh, like some of the videos and I will see you next week. Peace.